Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, downloads Valentine's Day, and we have part one of our interview with Hazel Grace from Supporting Nepal's Children. Welcome, my friends, to this edition of The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl who apparently is making it up as she goes along. It's Charlotte Dames. And I'm joined by a man who seems to have an obsession with Married at First Sight Australia. You know what? It's Chris Dames. You know what? I Normally, I'm not a big fan. Actually, I'm not a fan at all of reality TV. But Married at First Sight Australia is like the gateway drug to reality (laughs) TV. I was going to say crack cocaine, but I don't know if it is. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, Married at First Sight Australia is a bit addictive, and you know why I reckon it's addictive because it is it is an all drama. There's elements of a love story. Oh, there's in a there. lot of drama though. There is a lot of drama. There is a lot of drama. And what are you making up as you go along? Everything at the moment, um, except my exams. Hopefully, how'd they go? You had um, some today, didn't you? I had two today, and I've got two Wednesday, so that'll be the, the day before this episode comes out, so it's Monday today. Um, <laughs> Is it Monday? <laughs> and welcome back to Charlotte reporting on the days of the week again. <laughs> I thought it was Thursday. No. Was um, it Tuesday? It, it's Monday today, uh, and I had two exams today, and I hope they went okay. Um, when did you get the results? I have no idea. Maybe Thursday. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, you've got your exam results. Oh, maybe if they're listening to it in, like, a month's time yeah maybe somebody's listening to it um and uh, yeah they're they're in a position where you've done your a-levels you've got your degree you've got your master's you've got your doctorate maybe we're going to listen to this in 10 years time and go actually there was nothing to worry about with those exams you know maybe 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 maybe, maybe. so to, to me oh no actually a bit of kindness project news oh. um we have hit as 70 if Download. No, 70,000. Oh, yes, 70! Yeah! <laughs> Come on! Pretty excited about it, 70. It's actually 72. Um, no, it's 70. Oh, no! We've hit a 70,000 download, which is quite impressive. So I've decided that um, if we hit 100,000, when we hit 100,000, we're having a party, guess who's paying? You! No. That'll be the surprise of the century. Then the party will just be me and you with one bottle of water between the two of us. <laughs> well, now, Russell, our esteemed editor Russell, is apparently making a special trip to come and join us for the party. So that'd be me, you and Russell with a bottle of water between us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great party. Party time, party time central. We know how to do it. Well, anyway, let's talk about another subject. Why are you yeah. checking your phone? Uh, I was getting jokes. Oh, no, not from the Reader's Digest. No, I don't actually know what the website is this time, but you okay. know. Is it a good one? I have no idea. Look forward to the uh, joke at the end of the show. Yes. Um, uh, prepare to be underwhelmed. What other subjects have you got to... Um... Well, like you said, I am grievously unprepared for today's episode. Oh, that's a good word, grievously. Found it on theosaurus.com. Okay, good stuff. Uh... Grievously. <laughs> is it legit, like, is it eosly or grievously? Grievously. Okay, well, why did I say grievously? I don't know. Anyway, so talk to me about what you want to talk about um, this week. 
this week is the second week of February. But you know... <laughs> oh, we're talking dates again. It's almost as bad as the week we talked bridges. What's your, I mean, what's your favourite bridge? Was the, oh, actually, no. It's actually, almost as bad as the week where all we did was say Barry and Beryl all week. I was actually going to talk about the presence of Valentine's Day coming up. Okay. But, you know, as rude Love is in the air. Everywhere no. I look. No, you interrupted me while I was talking. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so, so what, are you doing? what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Uh, I'm actually looking forward to the 15th, not the 14th. Uh, better known as Discounted Chocolate Day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Cheap Roses Day. <laughs> Who wants roses when you can have but you know, galaxy like, somebody, bars? A florist I know actually told me that roses are... Like three quid a rose at the minute. That is a silly amount of money for one flower, isn't it? You know, um, but roses yeah. are expensive. So, so what discounted chocolate are you going to be buying on bulk on Whatever the fifth? Whatever I can fair? get my hands on. <laughs> Whatever I can get my hands but on. But there's so less than ten pounds. Right. Well, what is? Oh, right. So that is maybe our question of the podcast this yeah. week because we didn't have a question of the podcast. No. But now we have. Yeah. Because. The 15th apparently is unofficially or officially discounted discounted chocolate day. I think the question of the podcast has got to be, what's your favourite chocolate? And what would your favourite chocolate be? Um... Um, I wasn't expecting this question. You haven't given me time to prepare an answer. <laughs> See, I'd, I'd go... You know what I like? Dime bar. Mm. Dime bar I love. Um, I, like a, I like a Yorkie. Ooh. And I don't mind a Bounty. Ooh. But... And I don't mind one of those, you know, those little Lindel balls. Oh, those are, those are brilliant. Yeah, so they're, yeah. they're my favourites. My least favourite, Toffee. Toffee. <gasps> what? Why are, you doing, why are you going off? Nah. No, mate, you've just <laughs> insulted me to the highest degree. How have I insulted you by just saying the word toffee? Oh, toffees are awful. There is a it. reason why they put more toffees in a like a, like a box of Christmas Quality Street and they're the only one left at the end because nobody eats toffees. I like them, so if you don't want to eat them, just give them to me. Okay. Uh, Rolos. Here's, here's, here's a request. Rolos oh, actually are quite yeah. nice. Rolos are a soft enough toffee for me to enjoy. Um, but here's my request, uh, listeners, because there are a few thousand of you now. Um, if you've got any toffees, send them in. Yay! Send them in. Tweet, tweet Charlotte. She'll work out a PO box address. Is that going to cost me anything? <laughs> Why are you uh, are you holding your money for more toffees? Yeah, no, I'm I'm just holding my money full stop. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, we'll um, we'll we'll get that arranged. So the question of the podcast today is: Can you send Charlotte any toffees? No. Um, <laughs> what's your favourite chocolate bar or confectionery of choice? Werther's we- Originals. Ah, oh, Werther's are good. Yeah. You know what? Werther's are an old man. <clears throat> I'm starting to sound like an old man as soon as I said it. Werther's are a bit of an old man sweet, but um, I like them. You know my stance on Werther's. <laughs> and, you... and, the, and the challenge I've got is you... I am literally... I've just turned into an old man before you. Um, mm. <laughs> I would be surprised if they could yeah. hear your back, Ben. Yeah. I, I might get a jab a bit quicker <laughs> if I do that. You know what I mean? They might, they might come and give me my vaccination. But... 
Werther's, um, I think that you always keep a secret stash of Werther's somewhere. So where <laughs> you're looking looking at me very guiltily. <laughs> where is your secret stash of Werther's at the minute? In the secret place. Uh, which is where? Uh, the snack kimono. The snack kimono. <laughs> Where's the snack kimono specifically? Wherever I put it. And where is it at the moment? At the moment, it's in my bag of Christmas books. And where's that? Wherever I want it to be. Where is it at the moment? <laughs> wherever, wherever I move it to in the next half an hour after we get out. And where do you intend to move it to in the next half an hour? I haven't decided yet. I'm going with the flow. Uh, um, so this, my friends, is what you call confectionery interrogation. All right? <laughs> Um, let's move on to uh, Kindness News. Yes, okay. <laughs> While we wait for Charlotte to boot a laptop up, what's going on in the world of positivity and kindness? Positivity? I didn't pronounce any of my uh, consonants there. Positivity and kindness this week. Uh, well, oh, newly adopted son. It's always fun to see. <laughs> okay, here we go. Coal miner plucked a woman out of her car moments before it went up in flames. Mercedes Boggs knows she's lucky to be alive. Now, for a car-related story, Mercedes is a good story yeah. uh, name to have, isn't it? Go on then. <laughs> Boggs was on her way to work last month when her car hit a patch of ice, flipped to its side and slid down an embankment, coming to, the re- to rest in a frigid creek. <laughs> What's a frigid creek? I don't know. Ask, oh. a, ask an ice expert or something. <laughs> Go to the tundra and see if you can find one of those scientists. Anyway. After regaining consciousness, with cold water running in from the smashed windshield on the frigid creek, Boggs uh, realised she was trapped. That's when a stranger appeared, making his way towards her, and Boggs somehow knew everything was going to be alright. When I saw him, I just I thought you were doing that bit. When I saw him, I just knew that everything would be fine, she told WVLT News. I wasn't even scared anymore. I just knew that he was going to be my saving grace. Neither one of them realised how very true that first impression would turn out to be. The Good Samaritan freed Boggs from her mangled vehicle. As he was helping her up the embankment, her car burst into flames. Had he come along half a minute later, Boggs would likely have perished in the ensuing inferno. Kentucky coal miner John Burke was on his way home from working the night shift when he saw someone in serious trouble and stopped to help. After an ambulance crew arrived and took charge, Burke went on his way. But rather than sleeping when he got home, he spent the day wondering if the young woman he'd pulled from the wreckage was going to be okay. (coughs) Boggs was rushed to the hospital, not even knowing the name of the person who... Boggs was rushed to the hospital, not even knowing the name of the person who'd saved her life. With no other way to contact him, she put up out on Facebook a plea in hopes of finding and thanking the man she now considered her guardian angel. Please, please share this and hope to help me find the man that saved my life. I owe him deeply. I would just like to speak with him. Without him, this situation would have been much different. Within a few hours, Boggs' post was shared close to 900 times. Burke saw it and messaged her. Boggs said when she spoke with him, Burke downplayed his role in her rescue. He didn't think of himself as a hero, just someone who stopped to help. But Boggs and her family don't agree. Kids look up. You are a hero. I disagree. <laughs> Kids look up to Batman and Superman, and all those, unlike those superheroes, that's how I look at John now. He will never be my hero. He was the person that saved my life. I love that story. I just an ordinary man uh, in extraordinary circumstances doing something amazing. So well done, John, um, and hope you're uh, hope you're doing well, Mercedes. Hope you're feeling a, feeling a bit better. Um, I think that's all we've got time for on Kindness News this. 
and we'll move on to the interview. And in this week's interview, we've got uh, Hazel. Now, Hazel runs a an amazing charity that does brilliant work in Nepal. Mm-hmm. So without th- further ado, and this is a part one of a two-part um, interview. Next week yes. is going to be the second part. Uh, let's interview Hazel. Yes. Hazel, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No How are you doing? Chris, I'm doing all right. I'm doing now, all right. Thank before you. we started, you said you, you shared your really exciting sounding breakfast with us. <laughs> Which was two boiled potatoes. How often does that happen? It doesn't happen very often, oh, good. to be fair. Just to today. Be fair, yeah, just today. It was just, just because today. I was in a rush to get out to the gym. I thought that was some sort of <laughs> Nepalese dish that you... <laughs> so, I wish. Yeah, I I'm, wish it had been some Nepalese dish. That yeah, would have been great. Yeah. It would have been much better for me. Amazing. I've sort of given the game away that we're going to be talking quite a lot yeah. about Nepal today. Yeah, let's, but, not, let's not talk. Let's, let's, not, let's pretend it's, it's not happened. Yeah. Um, but tell us, before we start doing that, tell us a little bit about you. Um, well, I I'm now 52 years old. Um, I originally I was I was born in Newcastle. Okay. Um, you can't tell from the accent. Um, but then I moved. Mum and Dad moved down to Romford when I was 18 months old. Okay. Hence the Essex accent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then when I was 18 years old, I moved to the South Coast because I found love on holiday romance. Okay. And I lived there until about. Uh, 2011, I moved back up, and that was um, because my dad was suffering from prostate cancer. Okay. And I basically moved home to help. Um, to help, um, and unfortunately, he passed in 2012, and I never moved out. Basically, <laughs> so, and now my mum, my mum has now been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so I'm her main carer. So, okay. it, you know, it kind of worked well. Okay. In that respect, so that's that's how I got full circle back to Romford. I'm going to regret. Asking this, but Probably. what happened? What happened to True Love? Did uh, that... True Love. Oh, True Love faltered okay. after it about does. four years. You know, after right. about four years. But I found other other True Loves down there. Um, and then, yeah, you probably are now going to regret asking this one because in 2009, unfortunately, I did lose the love of my life. He died. Oh. Um, so yeah, and he's part of my whole. And, you know, he's story. part of my whole story. Yeah. And you know, without without him, and without unfortunately losing him. I wouldn't have started the path to get to Nepal. So tell me a little bit about so that. So in 2010, so he he died in May 2009, 27th of May 2009, um, and then I, I was distraught. I was distraught. I was um, I had counselling. I was in a very low place, um, and I went to our annual company meeting in January 2010, and they announced. Every year they always announce these crazy ideas of like how we're going to fundraise for the foundation, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this year they decided that they were, or they, they were doing a couple, but they said in 2012, in the company's 20th year, um, we're going to take 20 people to Everest Base Camp and we're going to raise half a million pounds for the foundation. Okay. And I was, I was like, I can do that. Because every year they say, right, we're going to cycle from London to Paris. We're going to do all these crazy stuff. And I go, oh no, that sounds like too much hard work. This one, I don't know, it just came at the right time. I remember running You needed out. the distraction. I needed probably. the distraction. Yeah. I, but, and I also knew I was going to be part of that team. I just knew. Okay. I knew on that day that I was going to be part of that team. I didn't even know where Nepal was. Not okay. a clue. Not a clue. Um, and I was I was a size 18. Okay. I was about three stone heavier than I am now. Um, walking up the stairs put me out of breath. So the thought of walking to Everest Base Camp... Yeah. <laughs> 
it wasn't. And everyone I told that night at the party, everyone said, um, <laughs> you, <laughs> really? Right. Yeah, of course you are, Hazel. Right. But I did. I applied. There was a hundred and I think 140 applications, I think, went in. Um, I think about 50 or 60 people went on selection weekends and 25 of us got as part Amazing. of the team. Amazing. And I was one of them. Um, so when were the so you went you've you've gone to this weekend, you've gone to this sort of thing, you've applied. When how for far in the distance was actually the So event? the trek was um, April twenty twelve. Okay. So they start they started the process in January twenty ten and you had to okay. apply so for quite a long yeah. lead time, right? Because then in was it twenty 20- yeah, 2010, I had the selection, um, and then in 2011, we started the proper formal training. training. So the whole of 2011, basically, once a month, the whole team went up to the Lake District, yeah. once a month in the, uh, for a weekend, had Climbing. a few drinks on the Friday night, yeah. did, a, did a walk on the Saturday, and on the Sunday morning, we had a little meeting where we got together, shared fundraising ideas and, and yeah. top tips for travelling to Nepal. And, and I suppose being part of that community helped, right? You know, yeah. Being part of a team yeah was... we built we built a really strong team and okay. uh, trekking to Everest base camp is is hard it is hard it's a, it's a weird one because I, I, and I've never done it um, maybe I should add it to the list but I um, think you should <laughs> but you assume base camp is at the bottom but it's not is it it's not where base is base camp base, relative well, base to base camp is at the bottom of your climb if you're climbing Everest right. however it's 5,345 metres I'm pretty sure um, and it takes you 10 days to walk there okay because of the altitude gotcha. and, and you have to take it slowly and one of the first Nepali words that I learned was bistari which is slowly and it is my favourite to this day still my favourite word bistari bistari and how do you not rush Attitude. That's yeah, really yeah. Not you can't. You just can't. The, yeah, the yeah. moment that I stepped off the plane at Lukla at 2,800 metres, we just walked up three steps and we okay. were all, all the whole team was like, oh my God, yeah, we've, got, yeah. we've got another 2,000 and 2,500 yeah. metres to walk. It's interesting. I've got a friend who did Kilimanjaro. Yeah. And that he, as part of his training programme, he had a special mask. That oh, the restricted yeah, the, the amount of oxygen to sort of reflect the the altitude sickness. Yeah. And it's interesting because you don't think about that sort of stuff. Because yeah. appa- apparently, um, when you're at base camp, the al- the o- there's the same amount of oxygen in the air, obviously, but the effects of the altitude mean that you're actually taking in 50% less. Okay. I think it's something okay. like that, but it's, it's definitely less. Um, maybe 40%, maybe it's 50% as you go higher right. up the mountain. Um, but yeah, you know it. You yeah, absolutely no. And the f- and as soon as you get off the plane, yeah. as soon as you get off the plane, it t- it's taken me a while now to get used to the fact. Whenever I fly into Kathmandu, I'm higher than anywhere in the UK because you're at fourteen hundred meters, and Ben Nevis is thirteen eighty or something. Right. Um, and it, it, I couldn't understand why I was getting out of breath walking up the stairs because I'm like, well, I'm at Kathmandu. I'm in the I'm in the capital city. You know, yeah, this yeah, is quite low. yeah, yeah. But from an altitude I've perspective, it's level. higher than the tallest mountain in the UK. So I've gone from sea level to fourteen hundred meters in what sixteen, seventeen hours. Interesting. 
and, and that's even, what you've got to try and put wouldn't your head even thought about it that way no I yeah. it, it took me three years to work that one out yeah yeah and that's going regularly so 2012 2012 was when challenge, we challenge was set yep you end up climbing up to, to base, base camp. camp yes how'd it go it was really hard <laughs> so hard honestly I can't tell you I think every single member of our team got um, altitude sickness okay. but every single member of our team fought through and it, you know, luckily enough we'd bonded really really well understood how each other worked yep. um, and, and you know I walked out of Namche Bazaar which is my favourite place in the whole of uh, Nepal and I walked and it, I walked along my favourite part of the trail now because I do it so often um, and I just, I can remember just being hit by a wall. It, that's all that I could say. Yeah. And I just sat on the side of the trail and I said, pick me up when you come back down. I can't go any further. And I was prepared to sit at 3,400 metres and just not move okay. for 10 days. But, you know, luckily enough, everybody ran yeah. around and said, come on, yeah, we'll take your bags, give you some water, give me some anti-sickness pills, give me some altitude sickness pills. And then walked me to the next place where we stopped. And I basically cried. Yeah. <laughs> Right, and said I can't do it, but obviously I did, and yeah. I carried on going. And you, did, you know, the tablets they kick in, kick in, yeah. And you just yeah. drink lots of water, and I. Every time I go now, every time I go to altitude, it affects me differently. Okay, do you still feel the effect? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, sometimes, sometimes it will hit me as soon as I get off a plane at Lukla, and I'll yeah. be I'll be sick, and you know it will take me three days to walk to Namche. Some day, sometimes I'll get off the plane at Lukla and I'll, I'll walk to Namche in a day, okay. in ten hours, okay. and it's and sometimes I can go up to four thousand and be fine. Who knows? It just depends. It, it, yeah. Altitude doesn't uh, has no it, it doesn't care it doesn't care whether you're really fit yeah it doesn't care whether you're a smoker it yeah. doesn't care wh- whether you yeah whatever yeah it just, the impact on your body is is, is always different. different every time okay so what changed in you when you did that i just fell in love with the people i always i say to people because uh, people i get asked why do you keep going back um and i say the first time you go to nepal you go for the mountains the second time is for the people. Okay. And the third and the fourth and the fifth. Um, it's for the people. And it's the people, the people that make you fall. I mean, the mountains and everything is spectacular. It's the, the most amazing place. And what, what is it about them? Nepal, is Nepalese, Nepalese a word? Nepalese. Yes, Nepalese what, is a right, word. Well, what is it about the Nepalese that, that um, They're just so friendly and so humble. And um, I always used to say that you know, these people that have nothing will give you everything. Yeah. You, get, you get invited into people's houses all the time. Have a cup of tea. Have some, And the moment that you walk into someone's house or get invited in and they give you a cup of tea you're not just getting a cup of tea they're making you a meal yeah yeah yeah, as well and it's like all of a sudden you're oh right I only thought I was going to be here for 10 minutes and you're here three hours yeah so it's that kind and it's just yeah generosity they're totally and they're they're generous with their time just with themselves that's probably actually it they're generous with themselves yeah and they're happy to give so 2012 happens you go I go fall in love with the people What happens next? Uh, well, I, I didn't quite succeed on my trek okay. because there was two parts to every space camp. Um, stay, we were lucky, we were part of an expedition. One of my friends, um, Roger, who we will hear about in a minute, he summited Everest on the 25th of May 2012. Um, and 
our job was to get him to Everest Base Camp in a sane sense, place of mind. We got the benefit of spending two nights at base camp. Most trekkers don't do that. Okay. So our main thing was base camp, but I wanted to go up Kalapatar, which takes you to 5,500, because I wanted this picture of me with Everest behind me, because you can't see Everest from Everest Base Camp. Uh, so I really wanted it, but I was too ill. Right. And it was like, right, you can either go up there, come back down and walk to Everest Space Camp, or just walk to Everest Space Camp and chill. And I basically had to make the decision. Base Camp was the main thing. Okay. So I wanted to go back. So I went back a year later. Okay. Um, and I found a trip with World Expeditions where you were giving something back to the community. So I went to a monastery down below Lukla in Solokumbu and we built them an incinerator. Um, and there was five of us as part of the team and we got our hands dirty. I, got, I was mixing cement, I was chipping stones and Amazing. I loved it. Yeah, walked, yeah. Up, walked up to um, Namche with the team. They left me and I waited at Namche for four days for the next team to come up, which was an Everest Space Camp team. Okay. And then I went up. And I got I got my picture in twenty. Oh, cool. I got my picture in twenty. And it's now if you look on Facebook on my my thing, my cover photo is the picture. With Everest, with in, Everest the background. in the background. And it's been there, it's been my cover photo since twenty thirteen and it's never gonna change because it was just Yeah, iconic. Yeah. yeah it, it was it was the How long did you to, spend up there? Um, when, once I got to to I was it took me forever to get up there because I was ill again. Um, but I got up there and I probably spent about ten minutes up yeah. there bouncing around. My guide just was excited. Just, yeah. My guide was like, "Where did this energy come?" From? And your guide was a Nepalese. He's Nepalese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Asim, yeah. So he's still, yeah, I'm still good friends with Asim because he got me there. Um, Amazing. So, yeah. yeah. And and then uh, Roger, who had summited Everest the year before, had said that he wanted to come out to be there for the anniversary of his um, summit. And I was like, oh well, you know, by the time I finished that. You're coming out on this day. I could wait around in Kathmandu for a week and then bid yeah. it all up with you. But as part of the team for, of 2012, we raised £703,000 for the foundation of the company we work for. We wanted some of that money to come back to Nepal. Yeah. So Roger and I said, well, let's so that's go. St. James's Place St. James's Place Charitable Foundation. Yeah. And that's a pot of money that they then gift out to good causes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely, they've. I, I, I couldn't even tell you. I think it's well, it's millions and millions that they've raised. I don't want to quote because I'll be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in that year, seven hundred and three was raised Amazing. just by us. Um, so we wanted some of it back. We wanted to take some of it back to Nepal. Um, and Roger and I just went bimbling around, looking at different projects, um, and we looked at a couple of schools. Um, we were also shown some um, power plants, you know, some hydropower things, and said, why don't you invest in this? And we're like, oh. yeah. um, but the charitable foundation mainly focuses on children. So we knew that if we wanted to get any of that money and apply yeah. for a grant, it would have to be a school or a children. So we did find this one school, and they wanted £300,000, and we were just like... Ugh. All right, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Politely, politely walked away. Because um, we also figured that 
the person that was asking us was quite rich. He had really good connections, and it, there was lots of good connections, things, and reasons why not to go there. Yeah. And then we found we were, as we walked back up to Everest Base Camp Way, um, we went and visited the school in the village where most of our climbing Sherpas came from. Gotcha. Yeah. Pangbache. Uh, it's four thousand one hundred meters, and this school it broke my heart. I walked in and. These kids were working on books that were falling apart and also they were working in pencil so that they could rub it out and then next year's kids could use it again. And this child, I can can remember it so much. Um, I've gone goosebumpy already. He showed me proudly his work and the books were just falling apart and being held by one, like one string. I actually had to walk out of the classroom because it was just too much for me. You know what, we take it for granted, don't we? You I know, know. So it's something as simple as a child's book where they're learning. Yeah. And he was so proud of this work. And the thing is, the kids don't have to go to school there. Yeah, they yeah. choose. Yeah. And some of them will walk for, especially up in the mountains, they'll walk for like an hour. To get to, get to school to get every to day. school. On their own. There's no, there's no school run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's no roads for a start, so yeah. they have to walk. And they'll skip and you'll see, or any trekker on any trail will yeah. tell you in the mornings they'll see kids happily skipping along to yeah. school, going to school. Namaste, namaste. Yeah. What's your name? You know, practicing yeah. their English on you. Um, and they love it and they know it's a privilege and Amazing. Yeah, we decided there and then that was the school we were going to help and we were going to we gave we gave money straight out of our, mon- our bag then and said go buy some new exercise because yeah. we, we want these kids to have new and, and that's one of the schools you continue that's the to school first, that's the, that was the first one and that was the one that we applied for the grant from the foundation Amazing. and we got it and, and then you decided it, it, it just started from there. Uh, yeah, me and Roger got quite drunk that night in a bar in Namche Bazaar and went, do you know what, why not? Let's just do this ourselves. And okay. Then, uh, and that's how it started. Yeah, uh, because then you can make sure the money's going to causes absolutely. that actually have a decent impact, yeah. not a school that's going to spend it on no. assets they probably don't need. So yeah. we, we, we took, we, we, we did a book drive and we took about 4,000 books out to cool. Nepal, kids books and took some of them on a yak or not a yak there was five yaks up to Pangbache and that was when our friend Nadine who had been part of the Everest 2012 she came back with this, this was in spring 2014 and she went I knew you two were up to something but didn't quite realize what you were up to okay can I get involved? Uh, so that's how you know, supporting Nepal's children went from the mad idea of me and Roger a year before, getting applying for the grant, getting all these books and getting them out to, um, yeah. to Nepal, and then Nadine making sure we were quite formal and yeah. um, getting, looking getting, after us. Dotting the I's and crosses yeah. and the T's and getting <laughs> registered and yeah. stuff like that. But I think I think it's really interesting, Hazel, because we, we're lucky enough to be loads of different people who run charities and it always starts with that first mad idea. Mm-hmm. Now that's that's help. Yeah. That's that's start by just trying to help. Exactly. And then just 
just growing and from there. And then it there. snowballs. Yeah, and yeah. Snowballs. Yeah. And now I spend, you know, I spend four months a year out in Nepal, two months in the spring, two months in the autumn. And one of my jobs, in inverted commas, because obviously don't get paid for it, is um, going around and find, going around to remote villages and finding new projects. Amazing. So I get to go where trekkers don't go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's it's amazing. Sometimes, sometimes it would be something as simple as the school just needs a fence or the kids just need uniform yeah um and yeah we'll do whatever we can and and talk to me a little bit about the the schools in terms of the amount of kids they look after is it well it depends i mean it depends i mean pangbache now i think has got i think has only got about 12 children there um, and then there's another school which is actually the school where, of the village where my porter comes from um, yeah I read that the Kali, website Kali, Kali, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like Kami comes everywhere with me Kami is I call him Merachura which is my son um, and I can't imagine doing a trip without Kami um, so I said well your village is there a school there why don't we go and there's 11 kids there and they, they the building is a bit tatty but it's safe um and basically all they needed was uniform okay so i i did a mad walk with one of my best friends and we said right all the money that we raise on this walk it's going to go towards the uniform yeah luckily enough roger and nadine agreed and said yeah that's your school uniform for Kunikop sorted. So we did, we did that. And then, and then, and then, when once you sponsor at school, yeah, is that then an ongoing obligation to make sure that the school's supplied? Or how does it, how does we, it tend to um, work? It's, it's 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 difficult because each each school is different. What we actually do with them. So I mean, take for instance Kunikop. I will probably go back there. Um, actually, probably this spring I'll be going back there just to see how they're getting on with the uniform. Yeah. If they need new supplies of it, um, I'll probably go. I'll probably pop over to Rocham, which is another school where we built eight classrooms, just to see how they're doing because. You, one of the things that you said you noticed was that we do provide a, a hand hand up, not hand hand out. I'm sorry, I've got all confused with myself now. Um, how we do that is basically when we're if we whatever we're doing, we ask the community to do some of the work. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not just going to walk into your to your village and give you. Twenty thousand pounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm going to do is we're going to get our official NGO NGO out in um, Nepal that we work through that we have to go through to make it all legitimate yeah. and have all the proper accounts, etc. But what we'll do is we'll negotiate with the locals and say, okay, that building is unsafe. We need that demolished. You demolish that. Yeah. We're yeah. not going to pay you. You demolish that. Yeah. Yeah. Clear all the land. We will then come in and we will build the classrooms for you. Right. So that will be your donation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they can't donate money. Yeah. And it might well be that someone in the village hasn't got anyone in their house that can build. donate their time and yeah, do, yeah, you know, yeah. do the demolishing. So what we'll say to them is, well, on a Monday, can you do dull bat for the builders? Can yeah. you make sure yeah. they're fed? Yeah. 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 And that's and that's how but then, the whole But then you want an emotional involved. engagement in the project as well, don't you? You want people to say this is our school Absolutely. not a school that somebody's come in and built for yeah. us this is 
Yeah, we need this to is care. our we community need school. It. We need them yeah. to care about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's something that's really crucial with everything we do. When we when I go and sit down with the school management committee in these villages, um, with my friend Namgal, who can do all the translation for me, um, I, I'll sit there and I'll say, well, the one thing that, what are you going to do? You want me to do this, what are you going to do? Yeah. And before any agreement is made, I need to find that out from them. Okay. And I need to set the expectations as well. And is that part of the conversation? You, have you ever said no? Have you ever had to say no to a village? Uh, no, not yet. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. Um, we've been we've been really lucky. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, some of them projects take take a long time because um, initially, especially when we were starting up, we didn't have the money. Yeah. We're in a, a very fortunate position at the moment where we have money in the bank, and I have to go and find projects. Yeah. Yeah. So you <laughs> you've got to find people can help. Which is such an, a nice expi- nice place to be in. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas before, it's like I find the projects. And go, <laughs> Should we, uh, should we go raise some more money? It might to, take to us help. a couple of years to do this. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. And and I know you mentioned that part of the reason you help kids is because of the, uh, the funding you get from the foundation. Was there any other reason that you felt that helping kids was important? Um, well, like I say, one of the things that we looked at initially was like a hydropower plant or something like that, which is great and perfect because, you know, up in the mountains, that, that's how they get their yep. electricity along with solar but that that would be a one-off project yeah there's always going to be kids coming along yeah and we 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 knew the one thing that roger says quite a lot is nepal is a land of broken promises people come go to these villages they go trekking they go i promise i'll come back and they never do and they never do um and we don't want to be that we don't want to be them we we want to come back whereas if we came back and did just like one power plant yeah and then walked away and it's like (laughs) there's always going to be kids there's always going to be that and it's the consistency of commitment isn't it yeah and we want we want to be there long term yeah but you you seem like you love it like (laughs) you seem like you wouldn't like choose to be anywhere else no I wouldn't if you um uh we 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 talk about Ekdin which is one day and one day I will live there. Yeah, okay. Um, one day I will. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, tell me a story. Tell me a story about the work you do and the impact it has. Um, well, after the earthquake, I was, I was actually there when, when the earthquake hit in 2015. Um, so obviously I saw firsthand the devastation and I, I went out straight out to um, Gurkha. Gorka, Gurkha, Gorka. It, it gets confusing after a while. But I went straight out to Gorka, and which was where the epicenter was, um, and we found someone that, that was helping, and they'd set up a really good um, distribution process. Took in loads of food for them, but then helped them. And I, I was walking over the tops of people's houses, um, and I remember walking across this this house. And there was this little girl. We, we started talking to the family, and there was this little girl in the corner grappling around in the dirt. And I was thinking, what's she, you know, maybe her toys are in that, that corner or something. And then I saw the basket next to her, and I saw every now and then a potato coming out of the thing. They were basically looking for the food that they could find in their house. Um, and that really broke me that really broke me that there was this little girl and another lady was carrying a big basket of um, grass for her her goats and things 
and she said, oh, come, come and have tea. We were like, no, no, where, where's, where's your house? Oh, that pile over there. Right. Um, so that made... That generosity of spirit is amazing. Exactly, which is yeah. why... It, that's when they proved everything that yeah, I always yeah. said about them. Um, and I went, to this, I went to this school. We walked past this building, and all it was was a steel structure. And I said, let's go down and have a look, because it looks school-like to me. Um, and I walked down, and it was a school, and it was a steel structure. And then there was a door frame and the door was locked. Okay. And all the walls had fallen inwards. And so there was all the um, all their benches and everything and all their homework and everything. It was all like strewn, strewn across and covered in rubble. And this door was locked in this frame. It was a Saturday. It's the one day of the week that the kids don't go to school. And that one picture, I, I, it's quite poignant and I did put it up on my thing, was, you know, thank God it was a Saturday. Yeah. Thank God. So from then, obviously, we changed what we were doing and it was about rebuilding and making these safe environment and safe haven for these children. Um, And through this um, build and trek um, trips that we take out, we found this one um, place and just on the outskirts of Kathmandu, all their um, school buildings have been badly damaged. And we agreed to build them a six-room um, classroom, that's like three-storey class um, building, um, to make sure that they got somewhere safe. And we took the guys out, and obviously then we got to. They, as soon as we got to the school, all the kids were fl- putting flower garlands on everybody, just getting involved yeah. with us. And the, the trekkers that came out uh, that had raised funds for this particular school got to meet the kids that they were they were dealing with. Um, and then we went back when it was finished. And I was talking, I was sitting in the headmaster's room, in his new, his new room. His new office. His new room. Yeah. He said, I, I took one of the classrooms for myself. We're like, don't worry. He'd built this school up from nothing over 20 odd years. So we kind of let him have one of the classrooms. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was so proud. And then he started telling me about all the classes that he had started taking now to help the kids to improve his education to make sure. But then he also told me about the kids not wanting to leave school at the end of the day and I said why, why do they not want to leave school you know usually when we were here they were yeah. charging out as yeah. soon as that bell went they were charging out he said they've told me that they feel really safe in these rooms and that that was everything that I needed to hear yeah. and it's yeah. like you know these kids who um had, had suffered had been through the earthquake had watched their classrooms fall down had felt them shaking all of a sudden went no I, I, I want to stay here I, can I can I stay here tonight I, and, and, that, sleep because, and sleep because because potentially it was more safe they than, knew that this new building had been built specifically for them to withstand that's really powerful and that that was the, the blue yeah it's like yeah we're doing the right thing <laughs> that was really good wasn't it yeah. Shall we get on with the end of the show? But you know and I know that the end... It's never really the end because the end is only the beginning and we missed a bit. What did we miss? Tis the end of another podcast! Now, um, I I normally... um, I'm normally a bit better prepared um, and I haven't got the last week's question of the podcast this week um, set up so you need to just feel by no, singing you, a song okay okay well I can't sing so that's not a good start um, I, I can't sing I can't 
Rap. <laughs> I, rap. Go on, rap. Please rap. I don't have any poetry memorised at the moment. Uh, I did, but I don't. Uh, there's a difference. Um, I forgot all the poems I did remember. So that's right. The same. So okay. and now and <laughs> so that was that was fitting by listening to the stuff you sh- you can't do or shouldn't do. Um, okay. So um, the um, the question last week was what kids TV show. Do you remember the most fondly? And the weird thing is, Charlotte, every time we ask something nostalgic, we get loads, loads. of comments. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Sorry, we get loads of comments. High-fiving on a podcast. I don't, still don't think it works. I wasn't going for it, um, and I realised. And, and we, we got a decent number uh, of, uh, Ooh, of, got of response, responses, both on Twitter and, um, and, on, uh, and on Facebook. And you know what I am... Um, even more pleased about. Um, uh, there's two things that I'm going to talk to. I'll, I'll do Twitter at the end, um, but there's two things that I'm going to talk about um, that just really, really made me chuckle. So let's do the Facebook ones first. Eve Keith said she loved bagpipes. Oh, me too, me too. Um, uh, Roberta White said the wooden tops, and and you can uh, you can guess somebody's age <laughs> by their response. So how old do you reckon Eve Keith is? Uh, no idea. I reckon it's probably uh, late thirties, early forties. Roberta White. But said, I watched Bankers <laughs> as a kid. So, yeah. Yeah. Was it a remake or was it the old no, one? No, just the original. Oh, okay. Roberta White said, "Wooden tops, Andy Panda, Twizzle, Bill and Ben, and Watch with Mother." Um, Steve Dan said, "Tis was." Misha Hoskin said, "Dungeons and Dragons." That was a TV show. Louise, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, yeah. There was an amazing Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Uh, Louise said, Tiswell's Chawton and the Wheelies. And Jamie! Jamie and the Mad Tot! Amazing. Uh, as Hagen said... Why did you sing that remind me of Harry and his bucket full of dinosaurs? <laughs> <laughs> Jamie and Jamie and his magic tool are definitely better than there in his bucket full of dinosaurs. <laughs> Alison Hagen said the Muppets. Everybody loves the Muppets. And Dan cares away. <laughs> Worries for another, another day. day. Um, uh, and and um, uh, David Forsyth said Blue Pizza. Essential viewing when I was growing up. Very educational. Brian Hills just uh, put a meme of Mr. T going, What you doing, sucker? Um, that was one of my favorites. Every Saturday afternoon for me, watching the 18. Um, Mike Grizzly said, Battle of the Planets. I don't remember Battle of the Planets. Uh, Don Kirk said, Rent-A-Ghost. For Dan Atkinson, it was Banana Man. Banana Man was oh, so good. Banana Man is good. Uh, Trip, there, was a, there was a thing like in that sort of era, and I think it was Cosgrave cartoons or something like that. They did Banana Man, Count Duckula. Have you ever seen Count Duckula? No. Um, they did. I think they made Trapdoor, and they made like all these <gasps> really Danger Mouse. They, they also made Danger Mouse. They were really funny. <laughs> Trev Robinson said uh, Dukes of Hazzard. Caroline Thompson said Terror Hawks, Mork and Mindy, Metal Mickey, and of course the Muppets. Heidi Balls said Willow the Wisp. Sean Atkinson said Tis Was and Hong Kong Fooey. Chris Laney said Andy Pandy. Judith Hitchin said Grange Hill. Why don't you? And Chawton and the Wheelies. Lucy Patrick said Danger Mouse. Dean Grant said Dog Tanyon and the Three Musker Hounds. And he put a little gift there just to, just to show the show. Um, Nightmare! 
Nightmare. Fun house. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're more excited about Nightmare and Fun House. Both. We've seen Nightmare Live and we used to watch Fun you know House what? I would, if, if there was tickets available to Fun House Live right now, I'd go. Not right now because we're in lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, Nicholas Allen said The Sooty Show and Fun House. Justin Gaffney said The Original Wonder Woman. Uh... uh, uh how I wanted to be that super powerful and running those hills. You're a wonderful Wonder Woman. Nick Ramsden said, rent a ghost Granger and take heart. Johnny Piper said, Mr. Ben. And I've the, uh, Amanda Smith said, I've the engine. So they were all the answers on um, Facebook. Amanda, I, I've the engine sounds a bit like something I had when I was growing up. Rory the racing car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um... Let's, let's take a look um, at the ones we got from Twitter. So Twitter, uh, Barry Harding said, Tis was. Uh, Fanny Marshall said, Bagpuss. Um, now, this is where it started to get juicy on Twitter, right? Because Tom Morris, who's a friend of the show, uh, runs a podcast uh, with a guy called Chris Budd and a guy called Dave Blackwell. Yeah. Now, Dave... Uh, uh, Dave, actually, his name's David Lloyd, right? Yeah. And David's a writer. Yeah. And he's responsible for writing one of my favourite um, uh, kids' TV shows of all time, Maid Marion and His Merry, Me- uh, Merry Men. Have you ever heard that? No. It had Tony Robinson from Blackadder in, and it was really, really funny. Um, and, yeah, so uh, because Dave host is a fellow podcast host, yeah. he's come in and went, yeah, good choice, because I wrote that. <laughs> um, and he also writes Doctors for the BBC. So, yeah, it, it's sort of, he's not writing Doctor Who Oh, Thunders. Um, and uh, Dave, Dave's they choice was... It's not as good now. Uh, David, David Wood said uh, Thunderbirds. Um, Marcus Farnfield said, I used to like Old Bear. I've never heard Old Bear. Um, Rachel Vahey said, Chorten and the Wheelies and Danger Mouse. Moon. Nicola, Nicola Harley. Classic. <laughs> We're off to Button Moon to follow Mr. Spoon. Um, Lee, Lee Robertson said, Banana Splits. Uh, David McCabe said, Yogi Bear, Top Cat, Banana Splits. Uh, Kate Shaw said, I have the engine. Now, this is where it gets interesting again, because James Dent said, Mr. Ben. Um, Ivor Harper said, Pink Panther. But because James Dent mentioned Mr. Ben on Twitter, the real, at the real Mr. Ben, said, as if by magic I appeared, <laughs> and he thinks... The best TV show from his youth was Mr. Ben. <laughs> How can his favourite TV show be Mr. Ben? This um, is a weird universe where Mr. Ben watches Mr. Ben, who watches Mr. Ben, who watches apparently, Mr. Ben, who watches Mr. Ben, who watches Mr. Ben, uh, who watches Mr. Ben. Apparently, when Mr. Ben was young, he used to watch a young Mr. Ben. Now, I don't know whether it was his dad or him. Maybe. Maybe it was just, maybe he, it wasn't a TV show. He was just looking at a mirror. <laughs> his, yeah. his, every, his parents were like, this, this is a TV child. And Entertain yeah. yourself. So not only have we had a tweet from the writers of May Marion and their Merry Men, we've also had a tweet from Mr. Ben. So that's all good. Nice. And on that note, that is the end of another what? show. Whoa, hey, what do you think you're doing? On, oh, no, she wants to do a joke. Quick, end it, end it. Where's the cut button? <laughs> Go on, do your joke. Okay, uh, because it's been snowing lately, um, and by lately I mean for the past 
two days. Uh, I decided I was going to give you a, a, a cool joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? So why did the girl keep her trumpet out in the snow? She liked playing cool jazz. <laughs> this is no joke, is it? Let's be honest. And on that note, my friends, have a lovely day. Uh, hope you enjoy what you're doing, and we'll see you next week on the Kindness Project. Bye.